Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Well, it's another week to pull apart in the world of tennis. Uh, Brett Phillips with you again for the first serve on this Monday night, February 21. one 736 736 That is the number to call if you want to join in the tennis conversation tonight. The Tennis Direct text, 0433 You can go shopping at Tennis Direct if you're listening in tonight. Australia's favourite online tennis store. They've got fast delivery, magnificent prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Tennisdirect.com.au. Get that 10% discount store-wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. Coming up on the B-Solar menu tonight, all the latest from the week that has been on tour, Alcaraz shines again in Rio. An 18-year-old heading to the peak of the sport, no doubt about that. An Aussie in Alex Vukic. Is he bound? for the top 100, breaking through a challenger level. We'll wrap up all the on-court action in just a moment. And in the studio tonight, Tom Lana, Chief Tennis Officer at Tennis Australia. You can weigh in, one 736 736 We always come armed with uh, prizes, thanks to our good friends at Wilson, the US Open XD Tennis 3-Ball, 24 cans to a case, a 30-pack of Wilson Pro Overgrip used by many pros on the tour and the six Luxlan LU Power 125 sets, the top string on tour, supervise uh, superior power, control and spin potential, all thanks to Wilson, as well as the Sunbless Sunscreen Sunscreen Pack, specifically for tennis, golf, cricket, bowls, running and fishing. They cover everything. Head to sunblessunscreens.com.au. Now, reflecting back to last Monday, absolutely magnificent to be up at Tennis Victoria Country Week and do the show live from uh, Swan Hill. 23 winners by Weeks M across all the grades. 1,200 players aged between 15 and 83. Hats off to everyone involved for having me uh, last week. And as I said to a few of the crew, in 12 months' time, we're going to get a first-serve team all part of Country Week. Well, here is the honour roll for this week. It is carnival time in Rio for Carlos Alcaraz. He takes the title and takes out a former champion in Diego Schwarzman to do it. Roberto Bautista Agut is the champion in Doha for a second time. Too consistent this evening. Andre Rublev, a champion on the ATP Tour for the first time in 2022 and the first time for almost a year. He withstands 
a late fight back from Felix Auger Aliassim to claim the title in straight sets. Yelena Rostopenko is the 2022 Dubai Duty Free Tennis Champion. It's been one of the most amazing runs you will witness at a tournament. Dramatic from start to finish. Indeed, it was dramatic from start to finish. Let's start with Carlos Elgarez. I watched that in Rio this morning. Absolutely brilliant, this young man. You cannot take your eyes off uh, the talent of an 18-year-old who, no doubt, hands down, in my point of view, will be the world number one at some stage in his career. He's up nine spots to 20 in the world, the youngest ATP 500 titler since 09. As a 16-year-old, two years ago, he earned his first ATP Tour match win in Rio. So he was 406 in the world at that stage. Two years later, he's world number 20. Had to beat uh, Berrettini, the top seed, and Fanini, the two Italians, in the same day in the quarters and also the semis. I mean, his on-court um, physicality is there for everyone to see. Played the drop shot beautifully today. And it's just the temperament on court and then dealing with everything around him. Dealing with people wanting a selfie, wanting an autograph. Uh, just he's comfortable in his own space. He's, uh, he's just a, a young rock star, but with a great head on his shoulders and a great team, which, as we know in tennis, if you've got a great team that's with you all the way, keeping you fairly grounded, you're on your on your way to success in the sport. There's no doubt. So well done to Carlos Elcaraz winning uh, Rio. That's the biggest title of his career. Uh, Simon Bellelli and Fabio Fanini uh, won the doubles, so had to play their semi-final and final on the same day. Roberta Baltista are good, just one of the great solid pros of the tour. Hadn't won for a little while. He had... Obviously, a very good patch there. What about 217 to 219? 10th, the tour title. He's 15 in the world. A repeat of last year's uh, final reverse result against Nikolaj Bajalashvili. And he wins in uh, Qatar. Shepovalov is the top seed. Was uh, knocked out in the quarterfinals by Arthur Rindignesh, who's had a terrific start to the year. The big uh, Frenchman, Chris O'Connell, uh, lost in the first round the Aussie qualifier. He has qualified again. We'll get to that in just a moment this week in. Uh, the Middle East, and we hope Chris can certainly get through a round or two. Andre Rublev, nice win for him. Indoors in Marseille. In fact, he's got such a good indoor record. He's 5-0 and in uh, hard-court finals, uh, beating Felix Auger-Aliassime. We sung his praises last week, uh, Felix, uh, winning for the first time on the ATP World Tour. But uh, Andre Rublev, ninth tour title. First trophy since March last year was a really, really good result. Alexi Poprin, interesting watch at the moment. Wouldn't say he's firing on all cylinders. He's two and seven. Bit of work to do. It's a long tennis year. You have your peaks and you have your troughs, but a young man with a very bright future. And Roman Safulan, we saw him at the ATP Cup supporting Medvedev. He had a couple of great wins. He was a top 10 junior, had all sorts of injuries, no doubt inspired by the Russians and how well they're going with four players around the top 20. Uh, he beat Tsitsipas in the quarters, played a terrific match. I mean, he, he was playing top 20 tennis, so he's one I've got a little asterisk next to to keep a very close eye on. 150 in the world, he could certainly uh, be top, top 100 by year's end. Cam Norrie didn't have a great time of it in Australia, contracted COVID just prior to, didn't really fire at the ATP Cup, lost first round of the Australian Open. Well, he won in Delray Beach uh, this morning, uh, dropped just the one uh, set for the whole tournament. Uh, four straight losses, as I mentioned. Made a quarterfinal in Rotterdam last week. Uh, didn't face a break point. He's at 12 in the world and was really, really solid. And uh, Riley Opelka, two weeks, back-to-back finals. A win and a runner-up for Riley. He's at 18 in the world. There's no doubt by years in he could really push for the top 10. Interesting, last week he was given the code violation because he kept his head on at the trophy presentation. Now, I didn't actually realise... 
that this was a rule that you can't actually wear your hat. So what did he do today? He fronted up with the hat once again. Now, he did show on Twitter uh, the code violation that he got, but it didn't actually stipulate if there was a clear fine there. I might ask my special guest uh, if he does know the answer to that question uh, tonight when he joins me in just a moment. But Big Riley, he does it his way. I love him. He's got an opinion. He's prepared to voice it, but he's backing it up with some pretty good tennis. Um, so maybe top 10 uh, potentially by the end of the year. And Yelena Ostapenko, just think back to when she won the French Open as a 19-year-old and it was all out firepower from the Latvian. Then she took a real dip. And we know women's tennis is just so competitive. And she's had to sort of find her place. Well, she's returned to the top 20 for the first time since 2018, beat Kuta Matova. She came from a set-down throughout the tournament to beat Sviantek, Kvitova and Halep. And when I saw her in Australia, I remember the match on Rod Laver when she won the first set against Barbora Krachikov. It was a pretty hot day on RLA. And then she really succumbed. I wouldn't say she looked the fittest that she's been in her career, but she's an almighty ball striker, uh, Ostapenko, and one that, uh, when it's inside the tram lines, is absolutely devastating. Arena Sabalenka continues to be an interesting watch. Second round defeat. She's just going at the moment. Alex Vukic, what well under Alex? It's on the back of hard work. He's taken a different path, going down the college pathway. Uh, didn't really play juniors. And he's had to grind to get to, almost now, the top 100. Career high, 118. Had that great win against Lloyd Harris at the Australian Open. Had a good win against uh, Bublik in Adelaide uh, the week before. Two top 50 players. He breaks through to win his first challenger in uh, India. A little stretch of challenges in India over the last uh, two or three weeks. So hopefully he is going to be on his way inside the top 100. The first serve will catch up with uh, Alex once he returns to Australia in a couple of days' time. And just quickly wrapping up the ITF 25K events in Canberra. Uh, Back-to-back the last two weeks, the sport for all sizes, tennis, which we love, and Dane Sweeney, uh, back-to-back victories for a young guy who I think has got a load of talent. It's a long journey. He's 481 in the world, so still a lot to go. But he's on a 10-match winning streak, 5-7-7-6-6-3. He's 12-2 for the year. He won the doubles as well, but a young guy who's uh, certainly made a little bit of a name for himself in the last uh, couple of weeks in James McCabe, who's jumped up 272 spots, a promising 18-year-old who will certainly keep an eye on as well, a semi-final and a final in Canberra, but well done to Dane Sweeney, who had a uh, terrific win. So they are all the results, of course, uh, coming in uh, from the past week, but my special guest uh, tonight, of course, in the studio is the Chief Tennis Officer at Tennis Australia, who's been patiently waiting, uh, Tom Lana. Good to see you, Tom. Good to see you too, Brad. How have you uh, recovered post ARU and the team? It's a, a huge build-up to the summer of tennis, but it doesn't just stop after the AO. There's still a fair bit to go, and you're, well, you're starting to plan for next year already. Yeah, absolutely. I think the last two years have probably felt a little bit different than the, than the last 10, but... Um, but they seem to go on and on. But, you know, we're all dealing with it. And uh, But, it was look, it's a fantastic way to finish the summer of tennis, to have the two finals we had and, and everyone leaving on a high and, and obviously be able to get back on the court, get up to Canberra and off to Bendigo soon for the young Australian players on the ITF Pro Tour. It's really exciting that tennis continues on and, uh, and we've got plenty of players overseas and, and the tour rolls on. Can you sort of measure the impact of an Ash Barty win? I mean, I always said to people, Tom, I've covered a lot of Australian Opens. So I just want to see an Aussie... Uh, win the singles and it's probably the best night of radio that I've had an Aussie winning the feedback we got around the world people listening how people were so nervous for Ash to actually claim a home victory we always thought it was probably going to come but 
How do you sort of measure the impact of it? It's Look, it's tough. I mean, we, we really haven't had someone who's been that, obviously that close since Leighton back in 2005. And, and we know that Australia's most marketable athlete is, is still Roger Federer. So so we've had some champions from overseas who have been real names of the sport. And, and But but Ash, for me, is a, is a whole new level. And look, we see it in our participation data, in our Ausplay data, uh, more people picking up a racket than ever before, this summer particularly, and so, you know, I think that's where we look at it. We look at how many people are picking up racket, how many people are playing, how many people are booking courts, and and you get a sense of the impact that she's she's having, and not just as a as a great tennis player, but as a great role model. Uh, that that's that's it, isn't it? I mean, she is the perfect role model. I mean, what she does on the court is spectacular for those who follow tennis astutely and the aesthetics of tennis. It is just so beautiful to watch, but it's the person off court that is just as impressive. Yeah, and I think you get a true reflection of that when you hear from the international players, not just from the Australian yeah. public, but yeah. from the how well she's respected right across the tour from all the other players. Uh, you know, that, that speaks volumes and, uh, and, it's, and it's consistent. A few topics to cover off, and we'll do it as quickly as we can. We might need to do a part two. We're always running short for time in this show, but... Uh, UTR is one thing I certainly wanted to speak to you about. Just before I get some views, I just wanted to play a chat we had, just a little grab of Mark Leshley, the chairman and CEO of Universal Tennis Ratings, who was on our show uh, June 2020. It was a simple idea that was actually built off of the French rating system at the time. And, and Sam will be familiar with this. It's the idea that if we can rate players on the same rating system, then now we understand their level. Instead of everybody having to play the first round of a tournament, now you can insert players in the tournament based on the level they're at. That was really the French system back in the day. And when I was on the tour, you know, you go to France, you start in the quarterfinals and you didn't have to play the first couple of rounds. Um, and the other analogy here, of course, is golf. It's the idea that if you can rate every tennis player like you do a golfer and you know what level you're actually at, then now you can match up great tennis. And so that was the premise and the witches got started in 08. And, and for years and years, they built this up and ingested results. And it really was a product. Uh, we bought it a little bit over two years ago and really looked to significantly expand it and, and make just a, not just a rating system out of it, but much more broadly uh, create as well also the ability to add other technologies. And the simple thing, it's a rating system from zero to 16 rates every player on the planet, no matter whether you're a professional player or a recreational player or a college player or a junior player, uh, whether you're a young boy or an old man or and even across gender. And so now you can look at somebody who's uh, got a UTR of 10 and you can compare them in Slovakia to you know, Brisbane to the United States. And um, that's really how the system's unfolded. Um, it's become the gold standard for all college tennis in the United States. So that was Mark Leshley on our program. Sam Groth and I back a couple of years ago had a bit of a chat just to set the scene of uh, UTR, Tom. So through lockdown, we saw UTR events established to create uh, playing opportunities in those unprecedented times just to get our players back on court, particularly for the Aussies who who couldn't travel uh, throughout that period. From January 1 this year, the universal tennis rating has been used across all forms of competitive play events in Australia to determine entry and seeding, grading, What's the main reason it's been implemented as part of our calendar of tennis here in Australia? Yeah, sure. Well, UTL has been in Australia for a number of years now. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we, uh, with the COVID and, and the impacts to the borders, we've been using UTR as a tool for both entries and, and seedings across Australia uh, with the restriction of access to, to ranking points. But, but over the last uh, year or two, we've undertaken a review of our competitive pathways and, and looked at some of the challenges we knew we had within the tour, challenges around, you know, access to ranking points the cost associated with that, 
challenges around level-based play, challenges around a lack of flexibility of formats, behaviour, and, and a really difficult to understand pathway. And so off the back of that review, and that review uh, captured you know, over four or, four or 5,000 people who contributed to that, coaches, players, parents. Uh, we spoke to Australian top players, we looked at overseas models, and, and through the back of that, we really uh, had a couple of key messages come really through loudly and clearly that, that, you know, that drove us down the path of a, of a rating tool. And they're around, you know, trying to create more local opportunities, trying to clarify, you know, to move away from a ranking and a rating tool to a, a simple single measure where we could measure someone's ability uh, and looking at simplified pathways, trying to make it easy as possible and really deregulate the tournament markets to open up to different formats as well. So as we went through that process, um, you know, the UTR, I don't think there's uh, the too much dispute around the accuracy of a UTR as compared to a ranking system. You know, we know what it takes into account. We've seen some of the data that's come even out of the tour in relation to expected results on a UTR based on a, uh, as compared to a ranking. And we know that's even the case in Australia as well, based on obviously access to ranking points for players. So as part of that process, you know, we, we've looked at um, bringing in the UTR as part of our, 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 um, our tournament, our competition pathway, not just tournaments, not just events, yep. but also all forms of, of comp, whether that's, you know, weekly competition, and really getting to the point where every match counts. Every match that's on that UTR system flows through to a player's rating. So can I just confirm, so Tennis Australia is a, this is my understanding, but correct me if I'm wrong, is a strategic partner with uh, UTR and an investor as well. Is that right? Can you explain that? Yeah, sure. So we do have a, a partnership with UTR. Where, as we've said, we've been um, in partnership with them for a number of years and, and, uh, and UTR has been in Australia for a number of years, which has been obviously given us a heap of data in relation to really creating a, an accurate rating um, right through from the, from, the, from the start. So how do you think, uh, Tom, it's, it's looked since it's been rolled out in January? And this is it's early doors. And I'll get to a, a post which is, you know, drawn, um, you know, plenty of, it's like anything, you introduce something new and there's positives, there's negatives, pros and cons. But how have you seen just the early data? Look, the early data is showing um, some really good signs in relation to competitive matches, which is a key driver for us. So we've seen a 12% increase in what we consider a competitive match through all forms of competition. So that's one, one break per set, so a 6364 result. And so that's you know, certainly one of the, the, our key objectives. So that's been fantastic. But there will be also know there's challenges and, 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 and making sure that we're covering off those challenges uh, as we introduce this change. It's really fundamental change to the competition landscape and changing the way in which people engage with the sport. And like Mark said, uh, you know, the, the catch with Mark there, linking it to golf to providing that one single rating of this is a measure of performance uh, right throughout the pathway. So for those who might be tuning in who weren't aware, we had the Australian ranking system so what, what's the major change? For those that don't follow the, the sort of inner yep. nuances of all this, what, what's the major shift here? So, so we had a ranking system which, which awarded a ranking points based on the level of an event uh, and we had to equally distribute those opportunities right across Australia. And what we found with that is that players were travelling to access the points for players who could afford to do that. So a key, a key difference to the rating tool is that it doesn't just take into uh, account tournament results uh, to get ranking points, yep. but it takes into account uh, results from really any any match, whether you play a, uh, you know, a, a Brisbane, uh, tennis Brisbane competition, or whether you play what was a, a platinum AMT or an ITF Pro Tour, even ATP WTA events, right through the pathway, junior development series events, uh, right at the lower end where players are just getting in and starting to gain a, a rating. 
So it's a, it's a much more uh, open opportunity for players to actually work on developing their game and improving their rating as, a, as opposed to purely ranking points. So there's a few people that I sort of go to because I always say I don't work inside the four walls of Tennis Australia. I'd yep. love to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> Tom, just to understand the strategy and the thinking process. And, I, and I'm not involved at the coalface at club level, association level, the people who live and breathe this sport on a day-to-day basis. So there are a couple of people I go to and I'll just read you one comment. It seems to, um, the main contention is it seems to be rewarded for uh, who you beat as opposed to sequences of matches in a row and winning tournaments, which has always been the measure of whether someone has the capacity to go on and have a career in tennis. That's someone I certainly respect who's more at the coalface than I. Can I get maybe a response to that? Yeah, look, it, it's, I think with respect to a rating, um, it is it, obviously the way a rating works is that it, it is an algorithm that, that dictates what the result should be based on the level of the person you're playing. And obviously, if you do better than that al- algorithm predicts, then your rating will go up. And, and if you don't, it'll go down. So basically, ultimately, with a rating, it's going to be it's going to allow a player to develop over time. It's not going to be subject to a single match or a, a series of matches, but every match counts. And I think what we'll find is that as people get used to playing with a rating that uh, players will recognise that you can't, you can't cheat the system uh, like you could cheat the system with a, with a ranking. And that based on, based on obviously the rating and every match counting, it, it's, gonna, it's going to be a change in the way in which um, players have to approach the game. Okay. So the, the ITF, so they have their own uh, ranking as well, which I, I find interesting. So they, they don't recognise the UTR? So the ranking? ITF actually have a ranking, but they're developing a rating system. Okay. And, and the ITF rating system, which is in development at the moment, will be used for entry into ITF junior events. Yep. So you know, players who have a UTR in Australia will also have an ITF uh, rating because they'll use that for entry into ITF junior events. So the ITF are moving from a rankings tool to the introduction of a, a rating uh, for for entry into um, ITF events. Okay, we need to slip in a break. We'll come back. Let's pick up the discussion on the other side. Uh, Tom Lana is our special guest, the Chief uh, Tennis Officer at Tennis Australia. Uh, some texts, calls always welcome. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. when we come back. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to First Serve. Always on a Monday night. If you miss us live, you can always podcast us, of course, thefirstserve.com.au. Subscribe via whatever platform uh, you get all your podcasts on. Tom Lana is with me in the studio. More UTR in just a moment. I wanted to squeeze in Ellie and St Kilda. Ellie, great to have you on the show. Ellie, we oh, got you there. Thanks, Brett. Yeah, yeah, you got me. Oh, um, yeah, this was just general tennis. I'm not sure if I should be doing it during the interview. Um, anyway. Um, Go for your life. No, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say a few points I saw on the, on the tour while I was watching this week. Um, firstly, John Millman, he... I always thought that he has quite naturally quite heavy shots, but he never actually really tries to pull the trigger. He just rallies. He rallies and rallies and rallies, and then he hopes to make back as many balls as he can. And then, yeah, and then win points like that. But this week, I was watching the highlights, and you could even tell from the highlights that he, start, he has started to go for his shots a lot. And he even saved match points against the Pelka, uh, yep. Yep. I don't know, a couple of days ago. Smashing the ball, and yeah, it was just so refreshing to see. And you, you can you can just see if he goes for his shots, 
and it just shows you if you go for your shots, you can you can really do a lot more damage. No doubt, um, Ellie. I reckon he's uh, got uh, more aggressive the last probably two years. I mean, he's been hampered by the back. I mean, he did a great job to spend so much time on the road last year. John, who's a you know effervescent sort of guy, who I think you know was was really tested and. You know, left out of the Davis Cup team, I reckon would probably hurt him a little bit. I mean, he, in a lot of ways, had sort of been the front man uh, prior to COVID uh, when we won that tie against Brazil over in Adelaide when Demonor and Kyrgios couldn't get back. And he's found some form, which is great. I mean, he's had a tough start to the year and you've got to pick a, a team at the time. But, gee, John, by the end of February, uh, could almost be the most informed uh, player going around of the Aussie contingent. Uh, he's in Acapulco. He's got a special entry this week. So, uh, yeah, great to see him, uh, you know, competing. We always know he's going to compete. His matches are tight, but I think he's actually up the ante a little bit uh, rather than just being that rally grinder, hoping that the opposition player is going to make a mistake uh, more often than not. Ellie, thank you, as always. Uh, give us a call uh, next week. Tom, uh, UTR, let's um, focus a little bit more on that. So there was a, a post, and I, I read lots of forums. I read... Uh, to feel the temperature, I suppose, uh, of people out there. And the uh, post that I read on the Australian Tennis Community Facebook group had 108 comments. So UTR is certainly um, igniting the passion of people, uh, positive, uh, negative. From a, a player, David uh, and a 23-year-old Australian tennis player, after speaking to many top Australian players about the new UTR-based ranking and tournament system, I'm struggling to see any way forward. How can any of the top transitional players move forward without living overseas. My point basically is for the higher-ranked UTR players, they have no way of improving their ranking in Australia as they'll only be playing people below them. I want aspiring players to be able to aspire without the extreme hardships they currently face and to be able to make tennis a career in the country that they actually call home. So this has drawn a lot of um, you know, different comments uh, in reaction to that post. But when you when you hear that... What yeah. do you think? Look, I think, you know, it's going to take time to educate and change. That's probably going to be the key key element here in terms of what does the change actually mean? Because ultimately, if you're a player who's playing pro tour events, your UTR is not your key indicator. It's going to be your ITF ranking or your ATP ranking. And uh, for players who are transitioning at that level, they're going to be focused on the pro tour within Australia and obviously traveling around the country, uh, around the world to actually access those opportunities like uh, Alexander Vukic over in India this week. If you're the level below that, uh, then it's the same thing. I mean, ultimately, as opposed to a ranking, you're going to be building up your UTR for the purpose of getting into that, into those uh, pro tour events in Australia as your next step as part of the pathway. And really for us, what we've tried to do, as we've said, is simplify that pathway so that now you know where you are, you know what your golf handicap is, you know what your UTR is and where you need to be to access those point, access those uh, those pro tour points and the ITF points. Yeah. So a lot of people talk to me on this show about uh, France and their tennis system and and what they do all the way down, uh, even to you know social uh, tennis. So I think uh, UTR is trying to sort of be something like that. But it's a different algorithm, is that right? I mean, can you sort of explain that in layman's terms? Yeah, look, there are there are a number of different rating tools uh, across the world. I mean, I think the UTR is probably the most prolific now, particularly with it, its base in the in the US and as it, it seeks to expand globally. Um, but the but the French system too is you know very much different formats. Uh, and potentially formats that feed players in uh, during events. And yep. and again, what we're trying to do is really deregulate that, open that up to what the market wants, uh, not dictate the formats that used to be there, but be a lot more uh, flexible in relation to the opportunities and, and looking at those different formats to allow uh, different draws for players to have competitive matches. Just had one on the text, Chris in Derriman. In regards to the new UTR system, how come entry to some UTRs range from 
10 to a times 60. Is that, uh, is that money? 16. I don't know. What, is, what does that mean? Is that, uh, uh, also, how can you compare male and females of the same UTR? Boys are physically stronger. I'm not sure what the first bit quite means. No, I'm not sure what the first bit means. But in terms of the actual uh, the the algorithm for for the uh, rating, it is across male and female, yep. so it it is meant to be indicative of uh, your level, irrespective of your gender. And it does cater for particularly. We're not talking about the aspirational player pathway here, but we're talking about community tennis. We're talking about local competition. It does allow when uh, for males to play females, for fourteen year olds to play twenty four year olds, for eighty year olds to play twenty two year olds, based on their level. And it's a much better indicator of that level. So when we talk about UTR, we're not just talking about the aspirational player pathway and the access onto the pro tour, but we're talking about tennis right throughout our community. Okay. There's so much we could uh, pull apart. It is early doors. I can probably, um, you know, understand there's always going to be, you know, some sort of uh, frustration. I think a lot of people will say to me, Tom, how can we create more tournaments in Australia? I mean, we've got our logistical challenges, no doubt, where we are in the world. I mean, I'm just keen to tap into what sort of discussions go on at TA level where, you know, more players could maybe make a living out of just staying here because there is that there is the challenge, isn't it, for Aussies to trek far and wide to try and make it in one of the toughest global sports. It is. I mean, I'd argue it is the toughest global sport for our competitors and particularly for Australians who have to spend so much time overseas each year. But two comments in relation to that. The first is that what the UTR, well, what the change to the competition pathways enabled us to do is actually put more playing opportunities in. Um, because we're not regulating the number of ranking points that are around, we've had a, a significant increase in the number of tournaments or events over the first quarter of this year, and we're expecting to see that flow right through from the year. But I think also your second point around how do we create a how do we create a, a pathway for players to stay in the sport and and financially support themselves, and and that's something that I think the whole sport's grappling with and working on, and and we're certainly looking at opportunities, more opportunities outside of our ITF Pro Tour events this year, which we've obviously reintroduced. In terms of uh, UTR uh, professional tennis tour events, which held the mark, you know, which held us up over the last two yep. years and provided that prize money. One question that was uh, sent to me today: What budget is set aside for tennis in Australia outside the budget and operations of the Australian Open, and how does that money set aside for tennis flow from federal to state down towards the clubs? Yeah, well, look, <clears throat> that's that's a it's a big. There's a lot to unpack in that question. Look, there's a, there's. A, Ultimately, the Australian Open is put on to, and our, all our events are put on to make money to reinvest back into the sport. So the business makes a decision at a point in time, okay, what do we need to reinvest to continue growing our revenue streams and what do we need to reinvest back into both grassroots and our performance pathways? And there the decisions are made and we've had substantial, like we've had substantial increase in the revenues of the Australian Open, we've also had substantial increases in support for grassroots tennis, both in program development, in supporting our member associations, in increasing prize money at yep. the lower levels, right through the pathway. And that, uh, that growth in, of the Australian Open particularly has allowed us to reinvest back into that space. Do you feel like you're in a hiding to nothing sometimes? When, you, when you're the governing body, I mean, you are there to obviously grow the sport, grow participation, um, you know, create dreams for, for, for young kids who enter a sport to have aspirations to, uh, you know, to travel around the world and, and you know, fulfil their dreams of being a tennis player. But um, there, there are many challenges, aren't there? I mean, is there more challenges here, I mean, compared to other parts of the world? 
arguably, but I think that's a good thing, you know, because there's so much passion in the, in the, in the country for this sport. And yep. for me, we're, you know, there's probably two really great examples of why we do this. I mean, I thought the Australian summer, um, the Australian open finals, having Ash Barty win, uh, you know, what that meant to the nation and how important tennis is to our nation, obviously rappers win as well. Mm. And secondly, what you mentioned, you know, I was up in Swan Hill as well for country week and just seeing what tennis means to our community. And so, yes, there are challenges, but all of that makes it worth it because we know what we do is make such a difference to the community and, and Country Week's a great example of that. But, um, but I think, you know, we're also not going to get everything right. And I think with a competitive play review, I think we roll things out. We see what's working. We've made, uh, you know, the assessment based on all the information and the data that's coming from our, from, our, from our players, from our coaches and our clubs. And we make adjustments based on what we need to do to, to change it, to get, to get it 100% right. Just a word on the coach review. Where's that at right now? So we undertook late last year a sort of a coach review and yep. identified, you know, probably called out a, a number of key things, um, some pretty obvious stuff, but there's not enough coaches. And particularly as a result of COVID, we've lost a lot of international coaches and, and making sure that we're delivering a pipeline of highly trained quality coaches to, to the pathway is really important, both international and local. And we need to support the coaches better off the court. So what are we doing in terms of, you know, marketing support, business support, uh, helping them with issues with councils or, or contracts or whatever it might be. And so we're looking to make some of those changes in the first quarter of this year to really bump up what we do to support the coaches because they're such an important part in actually getting players on, getting players to play tennis. We might come back and uh, revisit that at uh, some point. Uh, time's going to beat us. Um, hopefully we've been able to touch on a, a few points there. And I think we need to see the UTR rolled out for a few more months just to get the... Uh, a bit more of a, a sample size, if you like, of just what people actually think of it and whether it's going to be beneficial uh, long term. I do appreciate you coming in. And uh, I know nose is still to the grind uh, post uh, the AO. There's a, a bit going on. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. Tom Lana, Chief Tennis Officer at Tennis Australia. Uh, all thanks to Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialists, our good friends at SD Tennis Courts. They're trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. You can check them out at aste.com.au. A break. Back with more. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. At glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Always happy to take your calls on a Monday night. one 736 736 Coming up this week, uh, Dubai, of course, the ATP 500. It'll see the return of Novak Djokovic to take on uh, Musetti, the Italian. And the winner of that match will play the winner of our very own Alex Demonor and Karin Hutchinov. That's a tough first main draw match for uh, Demon. Dubai 500, unfortunately, uh, Popram didn't get through qualifying, as we said, struggling a little bit. Chris O'Connell did get through, which is a, a really good result to play Andy Murray in the first round. Johnny Piers and Philip Palaszczuk will play in the doubles. Uh, John Millman uh, getting into Acapulco on the back of his good form the last couple of weeks to take on Marcos Giron in the, in the main draw of that match. Uh, Medvedev, of course, in the race for world number one. So going head-to-head uh, -head with uh, Novak uh, this week back in Dubai, Medvedev in Acapulco, and by next Monday, he could be the world number one. He's got Benoit Paire uh, next, who maybe could just play some <laughs> lights-out tennis. Nadal uh, also fronting up. He's got Dennis Kudler. Medvedev and Nadal in the same part of the draw uh, could match up uh, later in the week. Uh, great to see Luke Saville and JP Smith qualify for the doubles. Uh, Qatar, the WTA 1000, Doha, Ola Tomjanovic to take on Daria Kasekina. It's a tough uh, main draw 
first round match. Ellen Perez will play in the doubles. Unfortunately, uh, Perez, Sharma and Inglis were all, um, to put it nicely, were obliterated, to be honest, in the qualies. And Darius Seville uh, back playing in Guadalajara, the WTA 250 this week. And Dash has been drawn the number one seed, Emma Redekanu. Unfortunately, Mendes and Storm Sanders didn't get through uh, qualifying. The ITFs in Bendigo will start next Monday. It's a little break for the ITFs. So what else is making news? All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park, of course, in uh, Melbourne's north, which is uh, tennis for everyone. Perfect also for coaches and players. If you're coming from interstate to train and compete, very close to Melbourne Airport, accommodation available. You can find out more. Speak to Tim and the team at humetennis.com.au. I'm sure you've probably got yourself across the Davis Cup changes. So the group stage to be moved to September 14 to 18, held across four cities to be named. The finals from the quarterfinals onwards will be held in November this year, 23 to 27. So that's a week earlier than in 2021 at a yet-to-be-announced venue. So they're trying to tinker. They're, uh, they're listening uh, certainly to the players and everyone in tennis as we try and somehow get the Davis Cup right. I'm heading to Indian Wells in a couple of weeks' time and I'm going to sit down with Mark Woodford who is on the ITF board, to get the ITF's um, perspective on the Davis Cup. One thing we haven't done here on the first serve, just to uh, balance up the argument. I can understand the passion. I'm of the same nature, just looking at it. Uh, the Davis Cup is certainly not what it used to be, but let's see if maybe the breaking up of the group stages and then the quarterfinals onwards just uh, makes it a little bit better, potentially. Yannick Sinner splitting with uh, Riccardo Piatti. has been an interesting story to follow uh, this week and, and his whole team at the Piatto uh, Piatti Academy over there in Italy. He's coached Sinner uh, since he began playing full-time in his teens. We know he's got a great coaching uh, pedigree. In fact, every player he's coached, Riccardo Piatti, has been a lifetime coach. He's made them better. So 7-1 and one to start the season. We know he had that disappointing loss to Pass at the AO, but he returns to the tour in Dubai this week to play uh, Davidovich Fakina, the Spaniard, in the first round. But yeah, Yannick Sinner, that was a great relationship with Riccardo Piatti, one that you thought might go on for quite uh, some time. So clearly something in the background there has affected uh, the course of that relationship. Now, I went and saw King Richard uh, yesterday, the story of Richard Williams with the dream to make his two daughters, Venus and Serena, tennis superstars. Absolutely loved it. Great movie. The movie finishing with Venus playing her first WTA match at the age of 14 against the top seed back then, Arantxa Sanchez Vicario, Venus at the age of 14 actually led her a set and 3-1 before going down. It's quite ironic that another 14-year-old, Brenda Fruvatova from the Czech Republic, who just had this amazing ability to keep creating tennis players, a top 10 junior, played just four ITF senior events in the first two weeks of Feb. She's won back-to-back in Argentina, the youngest player in more than six years to win a title on the ITF World Tennis Tour. She gets a wild cut into qualies for the WTA 250 in Guadalajara in Mexico, wins both matches. One of those was against the former French Open finalist and world number five, if you don't mind, in Sarah Arani. is certainly a shadow of the player she was. And will also, at the age of 14, play her first WTA main draw match. She'll take on Sloane Stephens, the former US Open champion. Now, we've already been exposed to older sister Linda, who is 16 with a ranking of 327. So we're going to keep an eye on this young girl, a 14-year-old after the great uh, career of Venus Williams. But back to King Richard. Now, just seeing Oracine, uh, the Williams sister's mum, made me think back to the Sydney International Player Party in 2010. I was there doing uh, AO Series Radio, 
And I got an invite to come along to the player party. And on her own, sitting there was Irisine Price. Or she was, well, no, she was divorced at that stage. Irisine Price, always visible on TV in the player box. So I wandered over and actually asked her if I could just interview her. This is how it went down, the conversation all the way back in 2010. Well, uh, welcome to Australia. You mustn't regret coming back here every uh, January. Yes, I do regret coming here every day. <laughs> well, it used to be I look forward to get away from L.A., but now it's getting dull, to be perfectly honest. I had it. You haven't? I've had it. I had my feel. I had enough. It's the same old, same old. Keep on going over and over and over and again. Repetition over. Uh, are you trying to convince then Serena and Venus to retire so you don't have to do it? Oh, no, I'm not trying to convince them to retire because they don't plan to. They're going to be 90 years old, creeping on the court. <laughs> so as long as they're on tour, are you going to be on tour? Oh, 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 oh no. As Whitney say, Helton and all. What do you enjoy about sort of going on the tour? Bro? I don't you... like flying. I do like have time to myself more than I, so than I do at home. So I can just pamper myself, sit in the tub. You ever get sick of watching tennis? Please, I go to sleep. That's why I wear the sunglasses. I thought so. I was trying to work out what was going on there. <laughs> Particularly those long three-set matches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sitting there waiting till it's over. You must be pretty proud, though, what your daughters have achieved. Uh, it's been an amazing ride that they've had, and you've been along all the way for it. Well, I'm happy that they're happy because during the training, you know, you wonder if you're doing the right thing, if they want, if they really want this. I'm happy that they're happy. When it all finishes, what can you see yourself doing? Just kicking back somewhere? and Spending money, trying to enjoy I'm trying to spend every bit of money I have before I die because I don't want to leave it to the kids to spend. You know what I mean? Like the most I of it. I want to enjoy it. Uh, Orison Price, there you go. 2010, she said her daughters would just keep playing and playing and playing. And here's Venus, what, at 41, about to turn 42, and Serena on the verge of turning 40. She got that bit right. And uh, we always thought she was asleep when she was uh, watching uh, the tennis with those uh, dark sunglasses. Uh, all good uh, thanks to our good friends at Yarra Tennis Coaching at Eagle One Tennis Club, just off the Eastern Freeway, junior and adult programs available, led by the head coach Shane Scrutton, who's just come off court a short time ago, with over 30 years' experience, whose mission is to improve your game. Whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player, check out yarratennis.com.au. We'll be back to wrap up. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit v.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back as we wrap up. During the week, I actually caught up with uh, Aussie Stephen Huss, uh, the 2005 uh, Wimbledon doubles champion. We actually worked together here on SCN around a decade ago or more. We've kept... Contact, uh, largely been living and coaching in the US. He had uh, plenty of thoughts on the wildcard discussion that we've been having uh, the last three weeks on the back of Roddy Reynolds's piece uh, for the thefirstserve.com.au about the unhappiness of many around Tennis Australia's wildcard decision-making. And this extends out to the bigger picture of uh, certainly wildcards uh, generally. Uh, Hussey said, when I worked at the USTA as a national coach, this is what I told the players. I worked with Caroline Dollahy, there was Sophia Kennan, Australian Open winner, Jennifer Brady, Australian Open finalist. A wild card is a gift. You don't earn them or deserve them unless a tournament is played to earn one. It is totally up to the tournament director to decide who to give that gift to. If you get one, remember to thank the tournament uh, with genuine gratitude and do your absolute best like any tournament you play. The only way you deserve to be in the tournament is if you qualify automatically with your ranking or you win your way through qualifying. If you don't do that, then you have no reason to complain. Focus on improving and get there on your own. Wimbledon have done it best, in my opinion. 
they went away from using all their wild cards for Brits. At one point, they had a ranking uh, minimum of 150 to get one. Then they chose up-and-comers, former Wimbledon junior winners, uh, whoever they thought um, might have a big future. Uh, they've also just taken the next players on the entry list. A big tick to them. If you're not close to an automatic entry in ranking, then put your focus on improving your own game and put your thoughts on wild cards aside. I believe four or five wild cards is enough instead of the current eight. This caters for the first couple of players on rankings outside the respective draws, main draw and qualifying to gain direct entry, a very promising junior, while also allowing for former higher-ranked players coming back from injury. From a federation's perspective, a wild card is also like funding uh, for a young player. A wild card is worth $103,000 Australian. So this is a massive boost for travel and coaching expenses. I totally understand and support a federation giving a wild card to a younger player who is trying to establish themselves ahead of an older player who's had five-plus years to establish themselves, even if the younger player is ranked lower. Bottom line, tennis is a meritocracy. Earn it on ranking, but cherish the gifts you get along the way if you get any. A good mind is going to be part of our team uh, on our website and all through through our podcasts and this very radio show. Stephen Huss, a uh, great uh, tennis mind. All thanks to Yonex, 76 years of performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. Make sure you go shopping at Tennis Direct during the week. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10, tennisdirect.com.au. We'll do it all again next uh, Monday. Hit them beautifully during the week. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.